Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who want to see Amanda Bynes with an Oscar by 2025 at the latest. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2009's Hannah Montana, the movie. <laughs> By popular demand. knows her as a superstar, but no one knows where she came from. Hello, New York! Until now. Welcome to Tennessee. Hold still. <laughs> I had, I'll just come right out and say it to all of you. I had not seen this movie until today. So no way. I went into this knowing I knew three things going into this. I knew the climb. I knew something about being out of place. And I knew that there was a Taylor Swift uh, cameo. And I totally forgot about Hoedown Throwdown until I was like 20 minutes in. So. Wow. Wait, yes. how do you know you haven't seen it? That just seems unlikely. Uh because I have zero memory of watching it and I had literally no idea what <laughs> was going to happen when I was watching it. And also, Audrey, you have okay. to remember that I vehemently despised Hannah Montana. So Really? Yes. Yeah, I guess you did. I know we've kind of talked about it before. Should we? I don't know. Should we hold back? No, <laughs> say, say a little bit and then we'll go into the facts. Okay, because um, I know that one year for my birthday or Christmas or something, um, our Aunt Sarah got me a Hannah Montana purse. <laughs> yeah. And I know that I decided to draw a mustache on Miley Cyrus <laughs> with the Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. And, and I felt really bad about it after I did it. <laughs> because... I think mom saw it or something, or you saw it, and you, you guys were like, well, now you've ruined it. Like, we could have returned it or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I felt so bad about it. <laughs> but I'm like, I just don't remember having, like, um, like, a hatred for Hannah Montana at the time. So I'm thinking what it might be. And, like, even now, like, I'm totally neutralized. For the most part, I'm totally neutralized towards Hannah Montana, and I like Miley Cyrus now. Um, but maybe some of your feelings towards the show, they probably, like, rubbed off on me, and I was just... Yeah. I was just going off. <laughs> they probably did. I really did not like Hannah Montana, and... Uh, I will be committing some Miley Cyrus slander today on the pod, but let me just say oh. <laughs> that it's not about her as a person and it's not about like me hating on her as a child. My, I'm going to direct my comments more at the corporate product that is Miley Cyrus more than anything else. So, yeah, which is is not her. Yeah, like I really. I don't have problems with her like as a person at all. Uh, yeah. But anyway, before we get into all of that, let's talk about the facts surrounding this movie. So, Hannah Montana the movie was released in theaters very uh, uniquely and notably on April tenth, two thousand nine. It was directed by Peter Chelsom. Chelsom. I don't know why or how he ended up being the it's one. Probably Chelsom. Oh, yeah. Chelsum. Yes. That's how it's pronounced, most likely. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he was the director of this movie. He didn't really direct any other Disney things and nothing he directed I recognized. So that was interesting to me. Uh, the producers were not notable and they were uh, <laughs> just there was a lot of them. And I was like, no, we're not talking about them. But very notably, 
The screenplay was written by Dan Berenson, who wrote all of these movies. <clears throat> Cheetah Girls One World, Camp Rock 2, Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie, Twitches 2, Twitches, Cinderella 3, Suck in the Suburbs, Halloween Town High, and many episodes of the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch series. Why, why is he delegated to the bad sequel and threequel of every... Yes. Every series. That is awful. And you know what? This is, I'm sorry, Dan, but all of, most of these movies that are listed are the downfall of the franchise of whatever series it is. Um, Yes. That's interesting. I I thought it was interesting too. And of course the characters, like there's uh, writers credited for like the characters of the movie and those are the creators of the TV show. So it's Michael Pores, Richard Correll, and Barry O'Brien- who were the show creators. So we got a lot of men in case you haven't noticed steering this one. Uh, Audrey, would you like to read the plot synopsis? Yeah. Yes. Hopefully I read it correctly. It's, it's pretty good this time. time. Miley Stewart is like any other teenage girl. She juggles friends, school, and family. But unlike most teenagers, she is secretly a pop star called Hannah Montana. When her popularity starts to take control of her life, her father sends her on a vacation to his hometown in the Tennessee backcountry to give her a perspective on what really matters in life. And the tagline is, she has the best of both worlds, dot, dot, dot. Now she has to pick just one. Which, not to spoil, but does she have to pick one? <laughs> we will come back to that. Keep not it really in your how mind. life works. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Okay, so... With that in mind, let's get into the cast. And now I'm going to guide us through the cast because I have it formatted in a very chaotic way that's different than normal. Because uh, most of the actors in this movie are reprising their role from the TV show. So obviously you have Miley Cyrus as the, uh, in the titular role of Hannah Montana. (laughs) Uh, She was probably one of the most bankable, if not the most bankable star of her demographic at this time. Uh, she was really big. I mean, the Hannah Montana movie coming out was a cultural moment for sure. Yeah, but she wasn't known for being like a film actress. So I feel like this was like a huge jump. Right. So she's huge. Of course, her on-screen dad is her real life dad, Billy Ray Cyrus. Her best friend, Lily, is played by Emily Osment. And uh, those are like essentially the main characters that come back. Uh, But there's weird cameos from Mitchell Musso as Oliver and Moises Arias as Rico. They're actually not cameos. They're like in the very beginning and then they never come back. Uh, Jason Earls as Jackson, the brother, is visually in this movie, but he doesn't really say anything, but he's there a lot, which is interesting. Uh, So beyond those people who are the regulars, we very notably have Vanessa Williams as Miley slash Hannah's publicist named Vita. Uh, She's primarily known to us as Wilhelmina Slater from Ugly Betty, Uh, but she was also on Desperate Housewives and Shaft, the movie, and her music career is like very significant. She's like one of the grand divas of our time. Then we have Margot Martindale as Grandma Ruby. And, you know, I don't really know that many celebrities, but I was watching this with a friend and she was like, oh my God, Margot Martindale. And I was like, I don't fucking know who celebrities are, but she's in (laughs) August Osage County, Bojack Horseman, and The Good Wife. The Good Wife is one of those TV show names that (laughs) feels like it doesn't mean anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, and yet somehow, like, everybody knows it. Yeah. Like, somehow, everyone's like, yeah, I think they're on The Good Wife. It's like, is everybody on The Good Wife? Like, (laughs) every actor and actress on The Good Wife. Right. That's my question. Yeah. So, she's on The Good Wife, allegedly. And uh, then we have these juicy cameos. Uh, You have Tyra Banks in the beginning, who is in-universe Tyra Banks, which... Leaves me with more questions than answers. Yes, because Taylor Swift is not in-universe Taylor Swift. Right, so Taylor Swift also has this cameo. And also, Rascal fucking Flats, Life is a Highway, (laughs) is not Rascal Flats. But they're in it, too. Right, they are. Yeah, so we've got 
three celebrity cameos that in theory would be them playing themselves, but it's only one of them playing themselves. <laughs> but like, but there is absolutely no change of exterior to the other two. So it's nope. like, that's Taylor Swift as Taylor Swift, but she's not because she's not famous in the movie. Yeah, right. So and same with Rascal Flatts. Are they all... Uh, is the whole of Rascal Flats in Miley Cyrus's family? I think that's what they're trying to imply in this movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, we were saying as we were watching, me and Josh and my friend, that Rascal Flats is the perfect example of why white men shouldn't riff. When he hits that long riff when they're sitting on the porch, it's too much. It's just far too much. Yeah. Uh, but funny because it's... Is Rascal Flats in universe Rascal Flats, but not Rascal Flats. So whatever. You got these random celebrity cameos. Then you have Lucas Till as the hot new love interest, Travis Brody of Miley. Uh, so he's in X-Men First Class and X-Men Apocalypse, and he's currently in MacGyver. And I knew he looked familiar to me, and I couldn't figure out why, but I recognized him because he's the love interest yeah. in the You Belong With Me video. Yeah, of course. I That's all I know him for. <laughs> well, I feel like that's all he ever did that was, like, up our alley, really. And then I saw in the fun facts that apparently Taylor Swift did date him. I'm sure she did. Yeah. I'm sure she did. And more power to her, frankly. Pal palpable chemistry. And then next we have Melora Hardin as the love interest of Robbie Ray, Lorelai, uh, who is like most recognizable as having played the love interest of Michael Scott on The Office. Uh, but she's also the principal in 17 again. She's Maureen in 27 Dresses. And she's Tammy in Transparent. So she's done lots of things that we've seen, which is cool. Uh... And the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, where the fuck is Miss Dolly Parton? She should be here. Same. That that was going to come up for me big time in the second half. Yes. Because, ooh. Yeah. I knew she must have had some involvement at some point, but. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Dolly Parton is Miley Cyrus's actual godmother, and she's also her godmother on the TV show. Uh, and in the original script, according to IMDb, Dolly Parton, who was on the show, uh, was going to have a part in the movie, but she was dropped after the script was fully finished, which just to me, it's like this movie potentially could have been salvaged by the weird camp of Dolly Parton being there. And it, they just said no. Uh, I'm, I feel like that fact is probably just so extremely through the grapevine that there's a lot more to it. Yeah, probably. Um, like maybe scheduling or budget or something, yeah. you know, uh, some production reason. Because why would you do it? That? that just doesn't make any sense at all. Right. So we missed her here. And then, okay, there's these two little, like, bit parts that are the daughters of this paparazzi guy. And I thought that one of them was Natalia Dyer, but then I was like, yeah, no way. Is. But then it was. So she's in there. Okay, so Audrey, you want to take us into this next section? So the budget for Hannah Montana, the movie, was $30 million estimated. Um, the box office opening weekend made $32,324,487. So very much um, on par with what they spend. That's really good. And obviously that's the first weekend. So it yes. did very well. The overall worldwide gross is 155,545,279. Uh, Violent. So yeah, I think they've done all right. With yes, this. definitely. So as far as the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, it got 43%. Mm, that kind of seems accurate, actually. I kind of agree. <laughs> the critic consensus is, while youthful, Miley fans won't complain. Hannah Montana, the movie, is little more than a formulaic Disney Channel episode stretched thin. Yes. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about accurate. And then it got a 67% audience score. And I would assume that most of the people that are giving it a score are people that like Miley Cyrus or like Hannah Montana. I feel like that adds yes. up. Yeah. So 
there were some very good reviews of this movie, and I just picked out two excerpts that I thought represented the opposite ends of the spectrum. So the first one is a grumpy person, and the second one is a really happy person. Audrey, do you have a preference between the two? Um, maybe the mean person. <laughs> okay. So if you want to play the role of Martin Sai of CriticsNotebook.com, I compel okay. you to give it a tr- give it a shot. This review specifically speaks to some plot points. So spoilers lie ahead if you have not watched it yet. <laughs> what a bummer if you have not caught this film. <laughs> yeah. Truly life-changing. As someone who watched it for the first time today, let me tell you, I am a changed yeah. person. Okay, so here it is. A paparazzo and a shopping mall developer serve as villains here, so Hannah Montana the movie doesn't have to tackle the harsh realities of corporate farms and migrant workers so prevalent on the American landscape. Instead, the film opts for the CMT music video approach by featuring attractive young people in cowboy duds riding horses on the ranch by day and line dancing at county fairs by night. It's true that legions of fans won't likely find the reality traumatizing once they are old enough to finally grasp it. Nevertheless, the film is hypocritical in the moral lesson it attempts to impart. Yes. And I do agree, and we will come back to this, but I do agree that there is like a major romanticization of like, what is Trump country certainly in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) I'll just call it what it is. Uh, And then this was a really warm review by Debbie Lynn Elias of Behind the Lens Online. This is what she said. Hannah Montana, the movie, strikes a chord of home and hearth that just touches the heart, (laughs) complete with an annoying brother, supportive friend, loving father and extended family, and an irrepressible teen who just happens to have an alter ego as a rock star. I said it just the other week with superheroes, and the same applies here. How many of you can honestly say you haven't dreamt of having a secret identity, and for all the girls out there, one that lets you play dress up and let's pretend and spend lots and lots of money on shoes and clothes? What? Where can I sign up? So, Debbie's feeling the fantasy, clearly. Yeah, I mean, Debbie is uh, Debbie is taking it for what it was made for. Like, yes. that, that is what it, it is made for. Let's not... I mean, we're the ones who are going to take it to where um, Martin, Martin took, it. took it. Yeah. But we also try to... We try to hold both truths <laughs> at the same time. So, yeah. there you go. I'm a, I texted Audrey earlier, though, and I said... I am about to rip this movie apart. So if you love this movie, I'm sorry in advance. There's just a lot of things that I have to say. So turn it off now. <laughs> literally just, just yeah, end it now. But before we get to that, so the culture of 2009 in our gossip section here, this is really more cultural stuff than gossip stuff. Uh, but this year, it was my freshman year of high school. I remember so much about this, eighth grade, ninth grade. Uh, and honestly, this list of things that happened is truly nauseating. So in 2009, I feel like if Hannah Montana, the movie was a peak or like was the peak of normie culture for people our age. And it was like this. I just feel like yeah. the countercultural stuff or like the more dark stuff like Twilight and like My Chemical Romance and like Paramore and stuff like that, which just was like... Stealing all of the power from the normie shit and just getting better and better. So that was going on in my mind. But this was like a list that I found. So Obama was sworn in in January of 2009. Grinder launched in 2009. Gotta <laughs> just put it there. Uh, Modern, <laughs> Modern Family and Glee premiered in 2009. Huge. Farmville became a thing in 2009. For those who remember, it was like a Facebook game. I never played it, but I know it was a thing. Uh, Michael Jackson died. And uh, on the VMAs that year, basically back to back, you had Gaga's bloody paparazzi performance and the Kanye Taylor Swift origin story incident. So the st- the snatching <laughs> of the trophy and the Beyonce had the best video of all time, which 
I watched those VMAs live just because God was smiling down on me that day and I was babysitting and the kids were asleep already. And I am so grateful every day that I saw that live. On the charts musically, we had Boom Boom Pow and I Got a Feeling just with their foot on our neck the entire year. Uh, A Dark Time. Jacob and Isabella were the top baby names of 2009. Very Twilight influenced. Jersey Shore premiered in 2009. And Avatar came out, like the James Cameron Avatar. So that just is a lot. So before we get into our review, our list of things that are better, worse, problematic, and noteworthy, what other things do you remember about this movie, this era, from childhood. And also, when was the last time that you watched this movie? Um, so as far as things I remember, um, we kind of already covered them. But yeah, I knew there was a Taylor Swift cameo. I had a very clear remembrance of Lucas Till in the field and like all the like horse riding <laughs> yeah. shots. And when she like slow motion is like, what? Yeah. And she like, Turns her head around. It's very strange where they chose to use slow motion in this movie because it doesn't always have the emotional weight that it should. Yes. Like, it's a little confusing. But as far as when did I last see it, I have no clue. Um, I I don't even remember how or when I first saw it, if I saw it in theaters. I might have. I feel like you had friends that would have wanted to see it in theaters because you were in seventh grade when it came out. Yeah, we were very, I was very much in the target Mm -hmm. demographic. So yeah, it's possible I saw it in theaters or sometime in the, in the near future after it came out. Yeah. Um, And then I probably saw it with like once within the past five years or something. (laughs) I probably watched it. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. So, as I stated already, I had never seen this movie until today, which is why this movie has never even, like, entered the ring of ones that we would maybe do. Uh, But the people have spoken, and they wanted the Hannah Montana movie, and we wanted to uh, keep it light today. (laughs) So, that is what we did. Um, But, yeah, I... My name is Hannah, so I hated Hannah Montana. People would call me Hannah Montana all the time. I did not like it. I found Miley Cyrus to be really annoying and really unlikable. Uh, And I still kind of feel that way, but I don't know her, so I feel bad saying that. But, like, I'm just not a huge fan. You said no slander. You said no slander. I am apologizing. But she's just someone who has, like, been inescapably present at all big moments of my life. Like, my welcome week at NYU my freshman year was the same week as, like, the Robin Thicke twerking thing. Yeah. And, like, We Can't Stop was a huge song. And I was just, like, I... I want to I want to divest from this individual, but I have not been able to. And she continues to follow me through my life, as she does with everyone, pretty much. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought she was really rude on the TV show. I thought she was rude to her parents. And for me, well, I guess we can t- maybe we should talk about this in the second half. But it's kind of more just like a statement on the show in general. I feel like this show was like the perfect example of like the post or right on the edge of like the high school musical era where it became it like instead of characters being relatable to you it became about them being aspirational to you and you know we've talked about this before yeah I just feel like she's supposed to be someone that you're like oh she's so cool like she's a pop star but like she's such an asshole that you're kind of like I don't really want to be like her that's how I felt at least and she's also an asshole. I guess that in the movie. would be like the lesson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that would be like the lesson. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it more later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so all of that being said, this movie's on Disney Plus quite legally. So hopefully you have access to Disney Plus and you can go watch it and uh, come back and join us for what may or may not be the roast of the Hannah Montana movie. So, definitely going to be that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. We are back, and we are about to discuss Hannah Montana, the movie. So I have a feeling this section will be relatively (laughs) short, but it seems humane to start with things that we thought were good. Yeah. And for me, for my notes about things that it's mostly things I thought that were funny or I just (laughs) appreciate the existence of a person. For example, I appreciate the existence of Vanessa Williams. That's good. That is a good thing. Okay. I can take that. Um, when when Miley gets dropped off in the road, or rather she makes she makes Billy Ray stop in the road, and then the horse yeah. approaches, and then um, Billy Ray is like, oh, that's sad. Like, a girl doesn't even recognize her own horse. When... When <laughs> Miley turns around and goes, blue jeans. <laughs> yeah. I was I was dying. So like it it wasn't supposed to be funny, yeah. but it was. Um Yeah. The some of the soundtrack was really giving me Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> yeah. It has the twang, you know. Um, it has some like slide, right. you know, slide guitar-esque sounds. And yeah. I was like, that's pretty. There were some shots that were genuinely really good. Just pretty shots. And I appreciated yes. that they were on a location and that it looked very crisp, honestly. When I was watching it, I realized there's some major similarities between this movie and Cowbell's. Like, okay, the fact that they are, you know, superficial girls, whatever, that need to come come down to earth and all of their family yes. and peers are like, you suck. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But specifically the trope of like walking into a gathering or like a house or an event and there's just already like a hoedown going on is it's kind of weird yeah. i'm like why is all of like your extended family sitting in the living room like singing a song yeah, and that yeah, same yeah. thing happens in cowbells that it's just not family it's the the staff of the dairy um that is yes. doing it but i thought that was funny there you go. <laughs> All right. My good things are Jason Earls has no lines. That's a good thing. And that is a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's actually the only thing I had under uh, under Damn. good. So what category should we do next? Oh, man. Okay. Actually, let me, let me just credit where where some sliver of credit is due in that I appreciate um some of the Hannah Montana songs um I liked I like let's get crazy (laughs) that's a good one okay (laughs) and um the climb let's get crazy reminded me I was sitting there and I was like, if you're a 12 year old girl and you're singing, let's get crazy. What are you imagining to yourself? Like jumping you know, up and down. Like, like what's going crazy? It's just jumping up and down. That's all they can do. It's just pure adrenaline. Yeah, it's like eating an entire yeah. bag of Skittles and having a, like a Fanta and then jumping. <laughs> you that's what you would do to get crazy when you were 12 (laughs) 
like eat a whole bag of Skittles and a Fanta and like play Just Dance for three hours or something. Like that's what would yeah. happen. Yeah, and oh, was I not was really good? Was I not getting crazy? I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay, that was a, that was a very good counter to my question of what is it to get crazy when you're twelve? Okay. Do you have any other uh, concessions to make for this movie? Like, The Climb deserves her flowers, in my opinion. The Climb is a good song. I agree. Vocal performance is good. Like, you got to keep in mind how young she was, too. Like, thinking about singing that song, being as young as she was, I feel like her voice has had some interesting, like, transitional moments, but it's been really, like, consistent throughout yeah. and i i do think miley does deserve her flowers for her vocal stamina throughout the years i'll give her i'll give her a few flowers i'll give her a couple you're you're flowers. like i'll give you a dandelion <laughs> like i'll give you a single stemmed rose with a little bow on it that's like you nice. can have that that's classic thank you it's very <laughs> phantom of the opera of me yeah. <laughs> okay can i please start yeah go things? ahead go ahead okay okay so this is what i wrote at the top of my page this movie sucks as much as i possibly could have dreamed like this movie is as bad as like the middle school me would assume that it is like mm. it it was so under delivering on all cylinders and I was so shocked by how bad it was. But okay, let me just get into my specifics here. Some of these are very nitty gritty. Uh, but really one of the big things is that like, I kept thinking to myself like, okay, this story is really bad, but why am I bored? Or like, why, why is there still nothing there? And I feel like for me, it's a combination. I don't need to talk about my not liking Miley Cyrus. That's already there. But like the isms and the fashion of 2009 yeah. are so bad. Yeah. And it's really grating, but I think too, we, we need to, um, Girl, if you try. We, well, we need to we need to check ourselves on just like how much time has passed since cuz like you know how obviously like at at any given point in time there is about, you know, 10 to 15 years back, whatever that style is, it is so incredibly not in style now. Yeah. You know, that's just like how trend, like how the trend cycles work. Yeah, but. But right now. But why do we need to talk about trend cycles? Because it's fugly. Did you think it was then too? I don't think I thought it was like fugly then, but I definitely didn't like it. I mean, I agree in that the fashion is not good. <laughs> I'm not sitting here thinking it's good. But back then, I guess I I guess I didn't mind <laughs> because it was just on, it was just on brand for the well, time. Yeah. I just feel like really why I'm bringing it up is that a lot of the time, like the fashion or like the aesthetic choices can redeem a bad story. And I just feel like that did not happen in this movie for me at all. No, um, maybe okay. we will eat our words and well, we won't eat our words about the movie itself, but fashion, who knows? I'm so scared. I am actually so terrified <laughs> for when 2009 fashion comes back in whatever iteration it does. Like I'm, I'm mortified. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I, I would like personally. to say, I, I mean, I'm not planning on it. But if you ever catch me in ballet flats, uh, a long cam a henley, a long camisole <laughs> past my butt, and skinny jeans, don't don't come for me. <laughs> <laughs> you will literally not find me in that ever. I mean, I, I don't think I ever wore that in the first place. I I, I don't know. I don't know. It's all a blur. <laughs> all yeah. A blur. Okay. Anyway, so the fashion is bad, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get into this. So, the opening shot where the first character's face you see is just Billy Ray Cyrus sitting there expressionless. I was like, who decided that this was a good concept? Yeah, that was weird to me. I hated it when he said, "I don't know, Miley, you're the one who wanted the best of both worlds," <laughs> and she like goes on stage at the beginning. I was like, this is really setting a low bar for how this is about to play out. Uh, 
The critical mass of hair length with Rico and Oliver is also a 2009 thing that is just chilling. Yeah. No, it's it's so long. It's like as long as my hair. Like, it's long. It's super, super long, except they're not putting it out of their face. So they've got this hair that's like covering their entire face. They look like uh, mops, you know? They just look like mop heads. They do. They they look like literal mops. Like yeah. and it's not like the Beatles mop, like no. the cute little mop. Like we're talking about like a fucking mop uh, that's on been, their head. Uh, that's been used in the middle school for the past eight years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, screen. I thought the part where uh, where Vanessa Williams shows up and pulls Miley out of school and they're like screaming about her schedule in the hallway and how she's famous. I was like, is this not blowing her cover? Like why? Like, yeah. Like what's happening? I mean, as far as, as far as anything with logistics of her identity, it's out the window. It is. All of that is out the window. It's out the window. It's, It's been out the window. Yeah. Uh, Really, a lot of my actual bad things are, like, in the beginning. So, she can't show up to Lily's Sweet 16 unless she's in the Hannah Montana outfit. I understand that, kind of. But if you're not supposed to show up as Hannah Montana at the party, what then? Well, first of all, why did Lily get so mad about it? What She was like, I'll never, ever forgive you. And I'm like, she's definitely done worse shit than this. And then on top of that... Why would you perform at the party if you weren't supposed to show up? Listen. As Hannah. There's no logic here. All she has to do to show up (laughs) as not Hannah Montana is take the wig off in this universe. All she has to do. Well, no, no, no. But in this situation, it was different because the paparazzi guy was following and she couldn't get out of the limo as right, right. Yeah, she was like held to it. I see. But yeah. also, you're really not because she can get out of the limo as Hannah Montana. Go to the bathroom. Just go to the bathroom. Yeah, but then he'll follow her to the bathroom. Like, I just feel that there is a way to get out of this. But um, I agree. And I agree. But I understand why Lily would be mad um, because, first of all, Miley lets down Lily Every five seconds yeah. in the show and in the movie, she's an awful friend. It is my biggest problem because only in, I don't know, I think in the Disney Channel shows, uh, I think of like Wizard Wizards of Waverly Place. Um, there's a few from that era where the main character is kind of hateful <laughs> and yes. kind of overly biting, like overly sarcastic. And like um, Alex and Wivers, (laughs) Alex and (laughs) Wizards of Waverly Place um, was like that too. And it was just like a trend of the time. Um, But I didn't enjoy it. I never, I never loved, um, like really, really loved Wizards of Waverly Place or Hannah Montana because the main character is, not nice. Like, you don't really root for her. Um, this is, you're unlocking a memory for me too, because I agree. Yeah. Like a bitchy protagonist in a kid's show. It's like, why do I want good things to happen to her? Yeah. And you know, because it's a kid's show and it's like a three camera setup studio show that it is going to be pretty surface level. So if it's surface level and the core traits of your protagonist are being rude (laughs) and like why are we here um I don't know who is really vibing with like Miley Cyrus like saying sweet niblets for like years (laughs) (laughs) there were people out there it's the same people that appreciate the fact that this movie is 40% stunts and romper room fuckery as we like to say yes Um, And it's so boring, like the entire section where she's just going back and forth between the meeting and the date. I'm like, I I actually I was very, very close to skipping forward because I knew I know what happens. So it's okay. (laughs) Just in case we couldn't predict what possibly could happen in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. 
I really just, uh, I really feel moved by the concept of who is vibing with sweet niblets because I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really I, know. I really don't. Yeah. So I had problems about the, with the sweet 16, but moving on from that, uh, I like when they got to the farm and Billy Ray Cyrus was immediately like, Molly, you got two weeks. I'm like, and we know the time frame. Like, it yeah. was just so, like, smacking over the head with it, but whatever. But that's what um, every I- single situation, every beat of this entire movie. I don't even know how to explain it. Maybe you, Maybe you can put, like, a word to this or, like, word it better than I'm going to. It's like... It's like, and here is the 20 seconds where we will very literally show that Miley cannot hang in this environment. Like, like <laughs> yeah. we go into the house, they're singing the song. Billy Ray asks her to sing the next verse. Now, why? <laughs> Miley is a singer. Hannah Montana is a singer. Why would she be in this situation and not want to sing. Like, it, it's like, it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't uh, make sense. And it also, like, Miley as a character in the show was equally bitter, I would say. Um, and that is continuous. But other than that, there is very little continuity between the show and the movie. And yeah. it's like, she's not playing Miley Stewart in this movie. I don't really know. Because she is approaching it differently. It is such a change in format that you have to approach it differently. You can't do the Disney Channel acting, you know, to that extent. She did do it a tiny bit. And the moments when she did do it, it was, like, horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. It it just, it it pans so bad and it it doesn't work when you don't have the laugh track and you don't have the like proscenium set up. There's just something, there's just something wrong. Um, and so, and it is interesting too, because soon after this movie, she started doing other movies and I think she's, she's generally pretty good in other movies. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like there were, there were some moments in this one where it was like really bad acting, like really bad acting. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of what you were saying about her not really pe- like playing Miley Stewart that much. I kind of agree with you. And I almost feel like in a lot of ways they use this movie more as like a vehicle for Miley's like sort of nebulous persona shift like yeah she wasn't exactly the character she wasn't exactly herself and she wasn't exactly like hannah or whatever it was just this weird kind of like blob yeah and it's extremely meta the whole thing is so meta like imagine having a corporation disney take your actual personal life and commodify it and merchandise it for millions of people because there's a lot of aspects of Hannah Montana and the movie and the show that are taken from her real life. Like it's her actual name. Um, They have this country sort of country background, you know, that actual dad, her actual dad. And then like, I'm, I, this could not be true. So don't hold me to it (laughs) if it's not true, but and, like, if Dolly had been in it, her actual grandmother. But I'm pretty sh- I mean, godmother, not grandmother. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm pretty sure she actually did have a horse named Blue Jeans. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> Probably. And so, just the fact that I, it's very mind-boggling if you actually try to put yourself in her position. Yeah. Um, she's not a product. She is a human being. Um, Mm -hmm. and to have your personal life had to have so little degree of separation, uh, is crazy. And that, it makes the movie extremely meta too. Mm -hmm. And there's always just so many questions of like universes and like what, like what? Yes. Yes. What is going on? Which. Which leads me to one of my questions. So, okay, with the rest of my things that I said were bad, they're all very nitpicky. So we can move on to the notable ones, which are more like questions, 
things I was wondering about. And when it comes to universe things, Audrey and I were talking about this for a second earlier, but like the songs in the movie are diegetic. (laughs) Yeah. But sometimes as it gets into like the second verse or like the bridge or something, the lyrics start to become so on the nose that it feels like it's a musical number, but it's like not quite a musical number. Yeah. And that and they and like but there's never like a fantasy sequence or like a dream thing like it always is grounded in reality even in the beginning with the weird music video bit yeah it's still grounded in reality they're trying they're like they're like they keep faking you out thinking that you're gonna get like a real musical number that is not in reality but no um and yeah, music-wise, it's it's pretty wild. Um, it's just constantly like bouncing around from song to song. Um, yes, the aggressive product placement of the Cool Picks was so good. Yes, and that that also reminded me of um, of Megan in our. <laughs> Megan yeah. and Liz Twilight episode. She said that she and it's so like relevant to this conversation like she was taking pictures of yeah. Taylor Lautner at the Taylor Swift concert when they were <laughs> when they were dating um I just I love that on her, on her cool pics yeah on her cool pics <laughs> Nikon cool pics so yeah like the cool pics uh product placement and also like the Samsung product placement was really heavy but very uh funny and also kind of uh, ultimately serves to sort of discredit the ending when they're like, we can just pretend like no one ever saw you take your wig off. It's like, okay, but we already know everyone has cell phones with cameras. It is so bad. <laughs> Audrey's face. It's so, so bad. The ending, I, I forgot what the ending was. I could not, I could not believe, I wrote down at the end, this movie has the nerve to be trash. Yeah. Because <laughs> of the ending. And to own it. And I was like, I was, I was thinking back and I was like, okay, if I was Disney and I was trying to capitalize off this franchise by making a movie when it made the most sense, you don't do it. Yeah. You don't do it before the show ends. I realized that they couldn't know when the show was going to end necessarily. Yeah. I I saw when I was looking stuff up before this that they originally made this movie thinking that it was going to be the ending and then another season got greenlit. Exactly. And hence yeah. the rebrand Hannah Montana Forever, which was the last season. Wait, what? Yeah. So, like... <laughs> I can see so clearly that they were in development for this movie thinking it was Miley Cyrus's transition into post-Hannah Montana life. That would have made sense because she came out with her own album. She came out with the half Hannah, half Miley album. And Mm -hmm. the ending would have made sense too. It's she's taking the wig off, she's owning who she is, and she is now going to be herself. But- It's so clear that at some point along the way, they uh, they knew that there was going to be another season and they had yeah. to change the ending so that she could continue to be Hannah Montana because the secret had not been revealed in the show. Now, yeah. if I was in this situation as a, as a writer <laughs> um, for the movie, I would then change, um, I would literally rewrite the entire movie. Or right. hold off on the movie until after the next season. Mm-hmm. Because inevitably, the movie has to be about her secret. Because everything has to be about her secret. That's all yeah. there is to the show. Yeah. So, there was nothing more, like, confusing <laughs> and... Uh, just bad than seeing this little girl be like, put the wig back on. Yep, <laughs> like, yep. That was the worst part. But she's like, put the wig back on, Hannah. It we won't so, tell your secret. <laughs> it was so bad that I was in disbelief. And also the complete logical uh, <laughs> fallacy <laughs> of 
like a thousand people in a crowd at a concert. These people are not all your family. These are not your close, trusted friends. These people are not going to keep a very, very coveted, juicy secret for you forever. Yeah. Like for the inevitable, you know, just future. They are not. Yeah. <laughs> they are not that trustworthy. So and the ending no. too was was bad. We got no wrap up like anything. It was bad. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Everything you just said, yes, correct. Um, I accidentally made us jump to the end, but <laughs> there were other things I had that I was wondering about. Um, I wrote down <laughs> that acting with your dad seems like it would be really embarrassing, but... yes. She does such a good job of, like, taking it seriously, and for that, I give her her flowers. Especially if your dad's motherfucking Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, how do you even get through that, you know? I know. I, I actually do have respect for that. Her being able to act and, you know, work with her actual father every single day for years on end. It's just an—it's a crazy situation to put somebody in. Like— yeah, totally. And like knowing that her father's getting this whole career renaissance off of her yeah. efforts, like that, that's just an interesting dynamic. I yeah. am totally sure. Um, these are a couple nitpicky things, but going back to the Sweet 16, because I cannot stop having qualms with it, that was literally just the Santa Monica Pier with a sign on it that said Lily's 16th birthday, which just makes me think, is she that rich? How could she possibly have a party that big? I had the same question because Lily, you know, throughout the show, like we don't, to my knowledge, I don't recall exactly, but you're not with Lily's family ever. Like Lily just exists as like the Kimmy Gibbler, basically, of, yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah. And you don't get the impression that she's particularly she's not snobby, she's not like wealthy per se. Um and so I'm guessing no. it's just like Hannah, like or Miley like paid for it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Uh, so that was one of my nitpicky things. I do, and I do kind of think it's a, it's just a missed opportunity to not include Mitchell Musso more because he is a, I bet he felt extremely left out. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't. Um, he is not, he is not as tertiary as Rico is. I would say right. like his character is bigger than J Jackson is sometimes. Like definitely. So like yeah. what was going on that this became was it because it had to be so Miley centered and it had to have a love interest and it had to it had to That's probably it. check all these boxes they couldn't spend time on him because he wasn't a love interest and they weren't going to make yeah, him one. Yeah, right. I have, speaking of the love interest, I just have two things. It just seems very convenient and unlikely that there would be a perfectly aged hot cowboy just there yeah. when she shows up. I was like, that is so convenient. And then on that note, and what Audrey and I touched on for a second earlier, is just that like this town that they're in, in this movie, you can just tell would be like the most racist place in the world it just feels like such a romanticization of like country life uh but that doesn't yeah. stop the movie from having the situation where it's like a crowd scene of like 85 people and there's like two random black couples like sprinkled in yeah. there and I'm like what's the story of those people like how did they end up in that barn? Like, that's what I want to know, you know? It is so, like, culturally bizarre to witness because, like, it is coming— this, this piece of art, <laughs> this piece of art <laughs> is coming to us through, like, five million, like, filters. Like, there's yeah. so many things that have to— you know, be passed by like Big Brother Disney <laughs> before it can reach. Oh my God, the big mouse, if you will. Yeah, like before it can reach <laughs> our consumer eyeballs. And it's like, yeah, the, the, uh, just like making, making 
the South and and sort of like a redneck culture, like all mm-hmm. person consumer friendly is just like not the truth. Like it's just, yeah, it's yeah. just not. And um, it's like uncomfortable. The house was looking a little uh, a little plantationy, was it not? Yes, it was looking a bit plantationy. And also speaking of that house. We never got we never got a uh, follow up or justice for Grandma's plate collection that got fucking yeah. wrecked for no reason. Uh, the way that they cut that scene was really it was so awkward. Bad. I hate it in movies when people's prized possessions get destroyed for no reason. It makes me really sad. I hate that. Yeah, I was like, this is just not necessary. You know, he could have just broken one. That's all we need. We You could have just broken one plate even. Like he could have just done yep. the one plate falls. He catches it. He's like, oh, my bad. Whoops. And then he's like, we're fine. And it breaks on the um, yeah. on the light. And that would have accomplished the, the comedic beat they were going yep. for. That would have been fine. Yep. Uh, yeah. That that kind of humor sort of reminds me of like the family guy thing where it's like something funny will happen and then they like repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Like in the same scene without ever cutting. Uh and I was just like I don't miss this time. I think I think okay. Especially thinking about how how deep we could really go into this because we're already an hour in. I know. And there's so much to say about Miley Cyrus and like the Disney machine in general. But I feel like this movie, when it for me, when it comes to is it worth watching or is it good? To me, there's so much about it that is like inherently baked into it that is so 2009 that I just do not miss. I do not enjoy and I do not want to relive yeah. that it makes it not good or worth watching for me. Yeah, I always think I'm going to have a better time than I do with this one because in theory, it should yeah. be really fun. Like it, this should be a good time. It should be, you know, like, where are those scenes that we always look for as, like, touchstones yeah. of, of, like, these sort of movies? Like, they're not there even in their most basic form. It's like you could have written the most cliched, uh, th- and of course this is cliched. I'm not saying it's not. But, like, you could have really taken it to that full extent, and I think I would have received it a lot better. The the first date is soiled. The yeah. fight scene is way too short. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I know what this, I know what this should have been. I know what this should have been. It literally could have been this, these exact same circumstances. Um, but the love story, it should have been about the love story. Um, yeah. It's, it can still have that root of, like, She's shallow. Like think think in cowbells, Allie's um Allie's love interest. It is the same as this movie, right. except you actually like them together because you actually see you actually <laughs> yeah. see them have chemistry and like they grow on each other and like they have some scenes and stuff. There's not any of that. There should have been some conflict that he has outside of just not liking her being shallow or whatever. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know anything about him. And also the other thing with the ending that made no sense was he was like mad at her for some reason. You couldn't really understand because it's like, okay, if she was just blowing him off and that's why he was mad, that would be one thing. But it didn't seem like that was quite it. And then she like revealed herself to be Miley and then the little girl's like, put the wig back on. And he's like, yeah, baby, put the wig back on. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you don't care? Like, did you just need to see that she would do it? Like, yeah. what was the idea there? Yeah, it's not, um, it's not, it's a, It's pretty half-baked. It's like a quarter-baked. Yeah. Um, and we didn't even mention, and the reason we didn't even mention this is because it is so deeply unfunny and unimportant, is... The actual villain who is technically the boss of the paparazzi. Oh, yeah. It's like, why? You really could have just had a rogue paparazzi. You didn't need an evil yep. 
evil like magazine editor like it's just not about it's not about that but and also there were other there was the whole development villain there were a lot of like random antagonistic forces that like didn't end up mattering literally at all yeah so why not why not just have here's my grand plan idea um is we take out the entire you know constant threat of her being exposed um as being Hannah Montana and we just focus on the love story and her being less bitchy <laughs> yeah and we're very much focused on Lucas and Miley and there's some really juicy thing. There's some really juicy third element yeah. to that that is that is causing a disturbance, but they ultimately come together, of course, and she um there there could still be a little threat of there can still be a threat of identity thing, but it is not the main thing thing. Because it, it just Yeah. Because it it's it's too it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. And you know, a lot of the TV show is not about that because you can't talk you can't talk about that. Kinda like how um in Gossip Girl you don't actually care who yeah. Gossip Girl is because it doesn't matter at all. And <laughs> of course they decided to decide who that is and made the show ultimately, like, completely meaningless because of their poor (laughs) decision-making. Yeah, It should have been no one. But anyway. um, That's a a topic for another time. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, too, we haven't really touched on it, and I don't really want to get into it, but I have always, will always, and currently despise the hoedown throwdown in every way. I hate that she says, I'm going to give you a little hip hop. <laughs> and I, the song sounds bad. That is how I feel. Um, agreed on all fronts. However, the choreography is fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who would rather do anything than dance or learn choreography. Yeah. Uh, I can respect that coming from you. Yes. Like the choreography genu- genuinely is fun. And I think that it is accessible to all to all people. It really is a line dance. And I, it's a, I appreciate it's a democratic line dance. Yeah, like I appreciate that they created a line dance. Like that's kind of hard to do. That is kind of hard to do, and they did do it somehow. Yeah, and it caught on. I've I've heard the hoedown throwdown in public venues before. Okay. Well, it's an interesting movie. I've said how I feel about it. Audrey, is it good? Is it worth watching? Obviously, if you love Miley Cyrus or you watched the show, I think it's... Actually, if you love the show, maybe don't watch this movie. I'm sure you've already seen it. Um, you right. know, we've had a good good 11 years, 12 years. But <laughs> if you love the show and somehow haven't seen this movie, don't watch the movie because... The final season of Hannah Montana is, as I was saying earlier, I forgot to continue that train of thought. It was rebranded to Hannah Montana Forever. And that sh- that season gives you all the answers and plot ties that you would mm-hmm. want from the franchise. So the, the movie is unnecessary. Um, yeah. But the climb is in it. And the climb is great. Um, Maybe just watch the music video for The Climb. I don't know. Um, But to those of you who requested that we watch the Hannah Montana movie, I am glad that I watched it. I do feel like I have a new, like, piece of foundation in my, like, on my base level of understanding the movies that we talk about. So even though this was late in the era for us and it was bad, I still had kind of a good time because I had no idea what was going to happen. So I'm glad I watched it. I will not be watching it again, (laughs) but thank you for suggesting it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we'll put the soundtrack on our playlist. I always put the soundtrack for every movie we cover on the playlist and I think some of them really are worth listening to actually they're like just a fun mindless time so there you go yes there were a couple songs I really liked actually yeah so I'll have to give the soundtrack a listen and identify which ones those were <laughs> okay well 
we'll be back with a few more episodes this season and then we'll take a short break and then we'll be back I think (laughs) as far as we know we'll be back yeah we're we're kind of quickly barreling towards the end of season two but we do have some fun some really fun last episodes in store I'm I'm excited to record them. So if I'm excited to record them, then you know they're going to be good. And the next few, Audrey and I are going to be together in person. So the vibe will be back to a season one vintage feel. And the video version of the shows, we will be in the same room, which will really be a game changer, I think. Yeah, that will be fun. Looking forward to that vibe. Me too. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us this week, as always, and we will be back very soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.